Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 99. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing okay. Doing all right? Good, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before jumping into a feature review of Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. And finally, we'll be covering this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Nothing on VOD this week. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, we will be doing our top tens next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into what we've been watching. I started off with uh, Cutie and the Boxer. Now, this is something you saw, I believe, last week, right? Yeah. I really like this. Uh, I pretty much... Pretty much everything you said about it, I agree with. I, I liked the animation that they did, incorporating her art into the mm-hmm. animation, and I just really liked the story. It was it it was like sad, but at the same time, it, it was somewhat heartwarming too. Yeah, because, because they they did get a little bit of a you know a little bit of hope there at the end. Yeah, it was it was funny though because it was like they were kind of constantly bickering, and he was he was kind of a douche. But at the same time, you could tell that they really loved each other, and that's almost made up for it. But I'm a little worried about their son, though. He's yeah, he's a little. They need yeah. to be. I think they need to be concerned about him. Yeah, I would. I think so. And they might have been. And the maybe the director just chose not to put that in there. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in a lot, but. But yeah, the, this the the small amount that he is in it, though, you're like, oh wow. Someone needs to talk to that guy. Yeah, because clearly he's there's, he's turning into his dad. I guess is what they're kind of implying there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. It's streaming on Netflix right now. Might be. I'm I'm working on my top ten docs, and that that might be on the list. It's it's probably going to be pretty low, but it's I still recommend checking it out. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, if you had that on your top ten doc list. I don't think I would argue with that. Yeah. I'd be into that. Speaking of docs, if you can call it, well, I guess it's a documentary in the truest sense. I watched, I finally got around to watching Leviathan. And now this, this is definitely on my doc list at number two. I can, this, I can say that for sure. Yeah. This movie is unbelievable. It is. And like I said, it's a documentary in the truest sense. There, it, there's really no goal. There's no talking heads. There's no animation, nothing. Just hook up GoPros to a a fishing vessel and just document. That's all they're doing. And some of the imagery that they get is just astounding. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's almost, it's difficult because it's like, to me, it feels like experimental cinema, the, the imagery that you're seeing, but it's real life, which makes it even more compelling. And it's just, it's unbelievable. It's avant-garde, but again, it's just reality. And just the, especially towards the end where the the white GoPro becomes detached, mm-hmm. and it's just it's like underwater, and then it's up in the sky, and the birds are below. Yeah, I and love then that. it's back down, and you're looking at, and I just I was honestly just sitting there like tilting my head. I didn't even realize it at first, but I'm just like tilting my head to try and figure out where the hell I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then really I finally, disorienting. yeah. I mean that whole sequence is just amazing. I can't recommend this enough. You got to be in the right mood for this type of thing, though. Well, it is relatively short, so it's not like you're stuck with it for like three hours or anything like that. I think it comes in at 
just under an hour and a half. So it doesn't overstay its welcome. That is true. When I uh, when I was watching it, the time flew by. I mean, it's 87 minutes, but it felt like it was less than an hour mm-hmm. I was watching this. And there's, there's very little dialogue in it as well. There's almost no dialogue. I'm pretty sure that the one worker did drop the N-word. Really? I kept I kept like replaying it and replaying it. And he says it like off camera, but I don't know. It sounds a lot like the N-word. <laughs> I I must have played it like six or seven times trying to figure out if it was. Yeah, there were there were a couple things. Like I, I didn't I wasn't fully into the, the scene with the guy falling asleep while watching oh, no. TV. I I'll be honest, I fast forward through that. Yeah. That like I, I got it, you know. I I got what they were going for within mm-hmm. like there's three to four seconds in, but it goes on for like eight minutes. Yeah, it's so long. <clears throat> and I just wonder if he was actually watching Deadliest Catch or if they like put that in. I don't know. It it seemed like he was, but I don't know. Yeah, if you want to see where your fish comes from, check this shit out. My favorite scene other than the end that we already mentioned was when the GoPro was just loose in the uh, the gutting tub. Oh, man. That that I thought was incredible. It was so gross, yeah, and, it was... but it looked so crazy. And it's like it's so interesting because there's no with these GoPros. I mean, there's been some fantastic videos shot with these little cameras, and it's like <laughs> this is so cool because it's like there's no other way to get that. You know, yeah. it's it's just really cool. It's it's unbelievable, it's especially with the the GoPro that was like out on the front. Mm-hmm. And when the ship was going in and out of the water, that oh, was, yeah. that awesome. was amazing. Yeah, awesome. Highly recommend checking out Leviathan. I saw Alexander Payne's Nebraska. How, well, how did you do that? It came to one theater here, oh, fuck and, you. and it had two showtimes. It was playing at 4.15 and like 10.20, and it, somehow it popped up this weekend, and I was able to go see it. Absolutely loved it. I don't know, because you're not a big Alexander Payne fan, are you? No, he's a Manila folder. Yeah, so I don't know if you, you would be that into it. I It was probably one of my top movies of the year. I loved the black and white, shot on black and white. And the it's one of these movies where sometimes when I see a movie in black and white, I, I ask myself, why is it? Why is this in black and white? You know, like... Is it a is it a budget thing? Like what what's the point of this? But in Nebraska, it really lends itself like the the imagery really lends itself to the black and white photography, and mm-hmm. it looks awesome. Uh, other than that, very funny, like very 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 funny, more so than I thought. Will Forte was pretty great in it, and Bruce Dern is just amazing as always. See to me that it's that is like the number one reason I want to see this movie. Cause the I I just want to see Will Forte in something, <clears throat> and I remember back when um this is a little bit off topic, but my wife was reading Gone Girl, which is now getting I guess was, who's Fincher's doing that? Yeah, the uh, adaptation. Is it, and is it Fincher? I think it's Fincher. Or is it? Isn't Ben Affleck doing something? I think he's in it. Oh, Ben Affleck's in it. Okay. Yeah, he's in it, and Fincher's directing. And I remember when my wife was reading it, and she was like, "Oh." It, who would play this guy? And I was thinking, Will Forte. I want to see him do something that's not comedy. It's like a, a little more of a serious role. I guess Nebraska is as close as I'm going to get. Yeah, I mean, he nails it in this. He is funny, but, I mean, it's not like... 
SNL or any of the Tim and Eric stuff he did with them or anything like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's an Alexander Payne type of comedy where it's really subdued and very dry. But like Alexander Payne's other movies, he takes the location and just, I mean, you just dunks you in the location. So it's, it's pretty great. I enjoyed it very, very much. Highly recommend it. Um, there was a couple other things that I wanted to mention about it, but I'm kind of uh, forgetting right now. I want to see it. I know that I'm not going to be able to. Yeah, you'll be able to see it at some point. but Yeah, just probably next year. But everybody, every, uh, June Squibb, who plays Bruce Stern's wife, is pretty hilarious in it. And, and it's also one of these movies that's really relatable. Like, when you see it, you're just like, oh, it's my family. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm, okay. Very, very down-to-earth type of film. Stacy Keach is in it. He's pretty good. Not amazing, but Stacy Keach, so he's never bad. It's true. It is true. And Bob Odenkirk also plays the brother of Will Forte, and he's he's pretty good, too. He plays a news anchor. I'll watch anything with Bob Odenkirk in it. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Very. <clears throat> I'm pretty excited for the... The Saul spinoff. I watched a, I guess I, I'm saying horror with air quotes. It's called The Eclipse. Now, this is an Irish film with uh, Syrian Hines in it and Aidan Quinn. And Ivan, or I can't remember how it's, what her last name is, but the, the woman from Clown, the Danish clown. Right, yeah. She's married to uh, Casper. Mm-hmm. Casper has a very small role in this. He pops up, and I was like, who is that guy? It's like, oh, it's the guy from Clown. And then I realized that she was his wife from Clown. I Mm. I imagine, I guess they're married in real life. But, yeah, I watched like 40 minutes in and didn't realize it, Hmm. that she was from Clown. But the reason I say horror with air quotes is, like, there's a supernatural element to it. Obviously, it deals with ghosts and everything and loss and grief. And but it's it's really planted in that aspect of like grief, loss, trying to move on to your with your life, trying to come to grips with everything. And for whatever reason, there's like three scenes of like jump scares that last, you know, probably like four or five seconds within this entire film. Those are the only three instances of scaring in the form of jump scares. Everything outside of that is just <clears throat> a drama and nothing else. It was uh, very confusing because if you're going to, you know, sort of advertise yourself as a horror film, you should at least have more horror in there than, say, like 10 seconds worth in three scenes. And <clears throat> it's, it's Searing Hines plays like a recently widowed and he's ta- he's in charge of working this like literary festival. And the two writers... Ibn and Aiden Quinn, he sort of gets entangled with their lives, falls in love, of course. Aiden Quinn's like a fucking jack-off. And it's just, it's really meh. It is just, I am, honestly, I can't really remember much from this film, just to be quite honest. I don't remember much from it, and I watched it earlier this week. But it is unbelievably forgettable. So I would stay clear of that one. Okay. Uh, I saw All is Lost, starring Robert Redford. 
I think I remember this film. I is this it. the uh, is this the uh, sailing movie? I think some people are talking about this one. It is he like sail or something? Uh, you know, sailing. Yeah, sailor. I actually really like this a lot. I think I probably liked it more than you. Um, didn't blow me away. Like it's it's not going to end up on my top ten, but I did find it thoroughly enjoyable. I, I didn't have a lot of gripes about it. It's one of those movies where it didn't like wow me, but at the same time, I was kind of thinking about well, what didn't I like? Like what what do I have to criticize about this movie? And there, there just wasn't a whole lot there. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought a lot of the the cinematography looked really good. Like I liked all the the stuff under the water, but it wasn't, you know, anything spectacular. I just remember my problem being the very end. I hated the way it ended. I just thought that, that was a terrible ending. And yeah. Yeah. when he was adrift, like in his little light raft, mm-hmm. when they would show when they would show from the uh, the under underwater sequences mm-hmm. with the the fish and everything. Oh god. I thought it was a, a pretty ballsy movie in a lot of ways, like the lack of dialogue, uh, just some of the some of the other things. And I, and I thought that they were going to go one way with the end, and I was going to say like, "Well, that's really ballsy," but then of course they didn't. But yeah, I was hoping they weren't ballsier with it. Yeah, me too. But I want more, I want more balls in my movies. <laughs> Robert Redford was pretty great in this. I mean. It says a lot about an actor when they're the only one in a movie. Yeah. You know, like this is a movie starring one guy and it's not even like Gravity where in Gravity, Sandra Bullock was obviously the the main character, but it, but she also had Clooney there periodically to back her up. But this is nothing but Redford. It's all Redford. This is nothing but Redford straight up. And I thought he was great, and I was—I don't know how old he is, but I was really impressed by the physicality <clears throat> of the role and how he seemed to handle it pretty well. He's seventy-seven. Holy shit! He's seventy-seven-year-old man. <laughs> that is a lot older than I thought he was. He doesn't look nearly that old at Sail. all. I liked—I uh, liked Margin Call a lot too. J. Uh, C. Chander's last movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out for this guy. See see what he has come down. Yeah, I'm sort of to go along with what you're saying. For for this to be your sophomore film, that's pretty ballsy. Yeah, definitely. I would I would highly recommend seeing All Is Lost in the theater. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, I I didn't enjoy it that much. I definitely not as much as you, but it's definitely one that I can still say to check out. And I'll give it a four out of five on Letterboxd just because I I just I don't have a lot of negative things to say about it. Plus, I thought he was wearing like a Pepsi bezel Rolex the whole time. It was a fucking Seiko dick. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Oh, God. I did love all the gadgets and shit he had on that boat. It was pretty impressive. Well, the only thing is, I mean, the guy's a fucking idiot. How do you not have a waterproof radio? Well, that, that was, yeah, that was like one of the first <laughs> things my girlfriend leaned over to me and she's like, he has all that stuff. He doesn't have a waterproof radio. I was just like, come on now. Yeah. Who knows? Either way, check it out. All's lost. Do it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I finally got to see a, a classic, classic streetcar named Desire. You ever see this with Marlon Brando? Nope. 
Stella. Yeah. Remember? Which is funny because every, <laughs> everyone, everyone discusses that, you know, the, you know, that's one of like the most famous movie lines ever. So I'm like waiting for it. And he does it like once or twice towards the beginning. I'm like, well, that can't be it because he, it's like his voice is cracking. He sounds like a girl. Yeah, it's one of those. Yep. <laughs> it's like, it can't be it. And then he does it later and he does it the same way. And I'm like, oh, really? That's the line? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? But um, this is the main, one of these movies that highlights the main problem that I have with classic Hollywood films of this era. And that's because of the moral code. You know, where they just censor the shit out of this. They take out everything. And the other problem I have is Vivian Lee's portrayal of Blanche is just ridiculous melodrama. And it's exhausting. They're like perpetually at the cusp of feigning. That's how they deliver all their lines. That's how every line yeah. I can't stand that. Oh my god, it's so it's it's exhausting. And she is I mean, I understand that this film is her sort of like losing her sanity throughout the duration of the film. She's already fragile to begin with. And then just her having to deal with Marlon Brando and all this questioning and his aggression and everything sort of leads her to like a complete psychotic break. Well, maybe not psychotic, but like a complete mental breakdown. And I I understand that. But at the same time, it's just she is so unbelievably manic in this film that it's too much to handle. Her character is just too ridiculous. It's too outlandish for me. Now, Brando, on the other hand, is he's just as manic, but yet he's extremely realistic. It's like natural mania that comes from him. And he just, he absolutely dominates this film. He's unbelievable in it. But everyone else to me was just too much melodrama. I can't take it. I yeah, can't that's, stand melodrama. That's one of the issues I have with with old movies like that and i i think a lot of old movies were like that yeah i can't stand it drives me up a wall huh. can't stand the melodrama fuck melodrama fuck that god i saw the selfish giant i love this movie i i think that this is definitely one of the best movies of the year we've had a really great year of movies and my list is so long but this is one that after I finished watching it, I, I immediately knew that it was going to be on my top 10. First time actors with uh, Connor, was Connor Chapman. Connor Chapman and uh, Sean Thomas. Was that the, that was the other kid? Yeah, that was Swifty. 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 Uh, loved it. Loved every, everything about this movie. It was such a powerfully moving film for me. The, the end, especially like the last 20 minutes just crushed me. It was just so devastating. Um, if if you're not familiar with, with this film, it's basically about a troubled young boy who decides he, he gets kicked out of every school that he goes to. His very, very difficult home life. And he starts selling copper as scrap. Doing some scrapping. Doing some scrapping. Nicking some copper. And, of course, because this kid is like, an extremely rambunctious child. <laughs> that's yeah. That's <laughs> putting it lightly. <laughs> putting it lightly, uh, he begins to steal from the people that are that are uh, also scrapping, which gets him in trouble. And things just 
go downhill very quickly and Mm -hmm. you just feel so bad for him because like at first you're like oh this kid's a little shit like he's just a little shit but (laughs) by the end of the film it's just like you feel so bad for this kid and you know you know that he's had a tough upbringing like right from the beginning like when i think it was like one of the very first scenes of the film where they show him sleeping underneath the bed like you know right off the bat something's not right like this, oh, yeah. this kid's sleeping underneath the bed. That's like a telltale sign of problems. But I mean, he's got to deal with his brother. His dad's... Who the hell knows where his dad is? And he's just... He's a tough kid that learned pretty early on how to survive. Yeah. And that's by Nick and Copper. Nick and Copper. <laughs> Visually, it was right up my alley. Loved it. I love these kinds of movies that take place in broken down, you know, city, yeah, I knew, cityscapes. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. Yeah. About 10 minutes into it, I was like, Adam's going to love this yep. shit. I just, I love that visual style. Love everything about it. So yeah, it was a incredibly sad film, but highly, highly worth checking out. And this is playing on demand right now. So go yeah, rent it. I think it's only, it's only like four or five bucks. Yeah. I think on Amazon. And I mean, you, like you said, first-time actor Connor Chapman who plays Arbor. Holy shit, that kid is just like incredible. A I, both both fun. kids, both kids do such an amazing job. Yeah, because they play like both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one's like a horse whisper, and yeah. the other one's just a frenzied tornado of swearing. Yeah, I mean he, the the one kid is kind of a dullard, and he's a lot slower and more quiet, very quiet. And then the other kid is just like a little ball of energy. That's just all over the bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got some creative swearing too. <laughs> I applaud that. I applaud that. Yeah. yeah I appreciate but... some creative swearing. I like it. I, but I definitely, I implore you to go see the selfish giant. It's incredible. We gave it an eight out of 10 on the site and I gave it a, what I give it a four and a half out of five on letterbox. So I'd probably sit somewhere around like an eight and a half or even a nine on this. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I said it, uh, an eight. I watched a little short film called coffee, coffee samurai, coffee samurai, coffee samurai. Now this is on Hulu and I, I found this on letterbox from a user, Eddie white. He was apparently an animator and it was with the, you know, in like one of his list of like it, animations that you haven't heard of or just you know something like that so i saw it on there and i was immediately intrigued because it's coffee samurai and then i'm just perusing hulu and boom there it is coffee samurai it's only 30 minutes long and then i read the the damn synopsis for it it's great samurai warrior who gets mortally wounded and as he's dying wishes that he is reincarnated in an iron body so he comes back coffee vending machine (laughs) all right and he can be he can be coffee vending machine. He can be half coffee vending machine, half human, or he can go full on human for a little bit. He can't do it for like a whole day or anything, but he can do it for a while. He can still summon his samurai sword, and he's still got to put up with all the enemies that he had back in the day. Which one is one of those bouncy zebras that you see in the park? You know they're attached to a spring, and the kids sit on them. Yeah, yeah, he comes to life. Throws a hatchback at him from like 50 yards away. Coffee Samurai cuts it in half with an umbrella. And then they fight. And then it ends up at the very end. He's got to fight 
a whole group of polar bear samurais. This sounds so amazing. I When I saw this pop up on your list, I was like, oh, I have to see that. Polar bear samurai. Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. It's got all that shit, plus it's got a love story. What more do you want? It packs all that in 30 minutes. I saw one other film that I'm actually working on a 10 out of 10 for, and that is I watched the Czechoslovakian movie called The Cremator from 1969 by Dirdraj Hurst. Holy shit. You need to see this movie. Okay. This is like slow burn psychological horror at its finest. It is unbelievably unsettling. And the the main actor, Rudolf uh, Hrinsky, is he gives like one of the best performances I've ever seen. Sort of think of like Norman Bates, you know, Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates, but I, I don't know how to say this. More like uh, maybe a more cultured version. Like a, like a Hannibal Lecter? Like a, yeah, sort of like a mixture of those two, where he has that, that uh, like sinister, uh, like friendliness to him, mm-hmm. but it, but then all the crazy creepiness of Hannibal Lecter. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's good. It's about a guy who works at a crematorium, and this is at it's in Czechoslovakia. The Nazi troops are on the outskirts. They're pretty much getting ready to take over. And he gets suckered, well, not really suckered, he gets talked into joining the Nazi party. And he actually comes up, like, for the Third Reich's final solution. And he believes that he's liberating people by incinerating them. Hmm. It's very disturbing. I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, man. I think you'll love it. It's unbelievable. Hmm. Definitely have to check that out. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into a review of The Wolf of Wall Street. This is directed by Martin Scorsese, stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie, Matthew McConaughey, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner. A lot of a lot of little uh, cameos in there. A lot of director cameos I've noticed, like John Favreau and Spike Jones. <laughs> Spike Jones stole that whole scene. <laughs> I yeah. love that entire scene. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. Uh, the synopsis states, based on the true story of Jordan Belfort from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living the high life to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. Now, Kevin, you wrote a review, and I read your review, and I I saw that you gave it a six and a half, and now I I liked it a lot, actually. Oh, okay. I, I personally loved it. Ooh. But that being said, I can I can understand your criticisms. Like I feel like a lot of the people what you're saying in your review, I think a lot of people are saying and I, I can understand that, but at the same time, I think it's a matter of did it right. hamper like did hamper your enjoyment yeah. to the extent that it hampered mine. Exactly. So, I think the big the big thing about this movie that that maybe you had a problem with was it was just like too much like it was just we get, it, was, it was firing on all cylinders all the time and it was just doing it over and over again yeah and it i think it the main problem for me with were a, a couple of scenes where it just it drag out way too long like there's certain scenes that just really didn't add anything to the movie and for whatever reason this those scenes felt to just drag on forever. I'm just like, okay, let's get get to it. Let's go. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it is an extremely long film. It's three hours long, but... I get, and the the voiceover. The voiceover just really got on my nerves. See, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't bothered by that at all. I mean, it felt like Goodfellas or Casino or something like that. It felt like a Scorsese thing to me. When he did the voiceover for the other people, other than Jordan... Yeah, the, I, the, yeah. I, that that I was like, okay. Did every I could have done that without involved, that. Still. Um, Desjardins. Oh yeah. Jean, every scene Jean with him. Desjardins. Yeah, every scene with him was just it didn't need to be there. I didn't think. Yeah, I thought they were all terrible. Mm, yeah, I probably could have done think, without that. I, think, I I think they could have just alluded to a number of those things, and especially when they you know when they added the voiceover in that sequence, that was just. Mm-hmm. That was like a nail in the coffin. But again, this is one of those films where if, you know, a lot of people are loving it and same thing that you said, flip it. I can understand people being thoroughly entranced by this movie and loving it. And I really wouldn't like attack anyone for it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a film about excess and the film in and of itself is excessive. Like... I think oh, yeah. that I think that from the beginning Scorsese said that he just wanted to go all out like pull out all the stops for this movie and it it does I mean it is pretty intense like it is a movie that starts off <laughs> pretty crazy and just doesn't stop and I think maybe it could have been trimmed up a little bit I mean 3 hours is yeah I mean that yeah. that's pretty intense but then again there's a lot of shit that happens in this movie and i i wasn't really feeling the length like there weren't any scenes where i was really bothered by the length some of the stuff felt felt a little uh a little long like some of the scenes felt improvised and some of those scenes felt a little too long to me the whole the whole meeting the, of the, the four guys for the dwarf tossing. That, yeah. That just went on. Just drug. And I, I didn't f- see that. I found a lot of this movie to be really funny. Like, I was laughing a lot, but not at that that scene. I didn't find to be very funny. And there were there was another scene. That, there was a conversation between Leonardo DiCaprio and Rob Reiner. Oh, uh, yeah. when After he comes in and they argue about... Mm-hmm. The bill and everything, and then they start... Yeah, see, and that was another thing that just irritated the shit out of me. It's just another tangent scene that lasted entirely too long and added nothing to the film. Yeah, like, I, I felt like that was a little... I, had, I, I didn't need that. I didn't find it to be that funny. Two other ones that I couldn't stand were the one where it's him and Jonah Hill, and he's asking about how he's married to his cousin... And uh, everything that involved that. I mean, there was parts of it that were funny, but yeah, we'll again, see. I thought that scene just, it was entirely too long. Yeah, see, that's the thing. There there were, and those scenes to me felt improvised for some reason. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't. They they felt very, like the dialogue, like the back, the back and forth felt way more natural than a lot of the other mm-hmm. uh, conversations and stuff. So I don't, I don't know if maybe that was a heavily improvised thing, but... That one, again, felt like it was just going on for too long. Like, I liked the conversation. I thought it was funny at first, but it was like they just they stuck with it too mm-hmm. long. They just keep going. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, I get it. He's married to his cousin. 
let's move on. And the other one was when he goes off on the little tangent about the the secretary that christened the elevator with the blowjob, yeah. and then she blew everybody, and they tag-teamed her one night, and then they got married. And I'm just like, what? why do I need a tangent about a character that I wasn't even introduced to and is, isn't even in the goddamn movie? Yeah, I was okay with that one. I liked but how I, they how like, they flashed to like they how they did the cuts to like the different things and that. Well, now that's another thing too because this is one of those films that where I think about it after seeing it, I enjoy it more. But then I have to remind myself of the actual experience of viewing the movie. Pretty much the same thing that happened to me with Computer Chess. I was able to talk myself into liking that film, and then I had to remind myself that no, you were bored out of your mind. Well, I so wasn't I'm- bored out of my mind in here, but. I don't. Maybe Jordan Belfort's actual memoir, or whatever. Maybe he the guy goes off on tangents all the time, and that's maybe that's what Scorsese was trying to capture. I don't know. There were a lot of little small things too, like just at the beginning, like when he changed the color of the car and stuff like that. That I really I, I like those little small touches because it just seemed so frenetic and just. Over the you top. see, that's another thing too that I talk myself into. Like at first, I hated that. And then thinking about it later, I was like, oh, maybe Scorsese's trying to show Belfort so goddamn egotistical that he can't even stay out of his own film that's about him. He's got to get in and tweak things. Well, he he was, he himself was in the movie, too. The real Jordan Belfort is in the movie. Is he? Yep, he's at the end. The very final scene. Oh, okay. I, overall, I thought it was really funny. I enjoyed it. These people are not likable, and they are... I, well, I hated everybody in this entire yeah. movie, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I thought that I like, they were just completely despicable I liked uh, Spike Jones, Dwayne. I liked him. He seemed yeah. like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> even though even though, even though, those guys were completely ripping people off, though. You know? Yeah. Like, they're Wait, still it, sleazebags. I know, but they're still... I, I feel conflicted about this, because if you think about it, like they're just cold calling people, right? So imagine if someone called you just out of the blue and was like, "Hey, got a great stock tip. This, you know, this stock is trading at three cents." You'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here! Are you serious?" It's it's like the equivalent of getting a, an email from a Nigerian prince. I mean, if you're that fucking stupid to hand your money over to these people that you've never talked to in your entire life, yeah, and they just call you out of the blue, you don't deserve that money, okay? I'm sorry, but you don't give it I, to somebody yeah. else. I agree with you. I get, I do get those calls. People, for some yeah. reason, yeah, people call me with stock tips. I, I see. And I, I don't, I, I don't know how I got on that list, but hmm. I get. I wonder, have you ever used like, I don't even remember what they're called. What was the one? Is like Scott something? Scott Trade. I used E Trade. E Trade. That's probably how they got your. Probably. Info. Probably sold that shit to everybody. Yeah, probably, but. Either way, I, I do, yeah, I agree with you that to a certain extent, maybe see, those people are asking for it. But. And that, that, Well, that was their problem is that everything was fine when they were, you know, mixing in the pink slips with the, the big time stocks and they were making good money off of it. Everything got out of control when they did their, their IPO with Steve Madden. They, yeah. ju- they just got entirely too greedy. Well, I feel like because technically it wasn't what they were doing with the penny stocks. That's not illegal, right? That's just not very ethical. No, it's not. Whereas, it's, not it's not regulated. Whereas, at least it wasn't at the time. So. 
once they start once they start doing the the stuff with the the Steve Madden that was illegal. Yeah, they do that pump and dump. Yeah, can't can't be doing that shit. Come on now, can't be pumping and dumping. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I I thought that Jonah Hill was really funny. I loved his outfits and I loved his teeth. <laughs> and yes. I loved I loved pretty much everything about him. I thought that he was so ridiculous and funny. Um, uh, he was hilarious. And I one of the one of the scenes that I thought was that made me laugh the most was watching Leonardo DiCaprio open a suicide door on a Lamborghini with his foot <laughs> and having it pick him up when it opened. I have to say that was another scene that just really pissed me off. I mean, it was funny at the end. There was a payoff at the end because the act, the acting in that scene was great. The way he was able to flail his body around. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he goes into the cerebral palsy phase and the the camera's like the overhead shot, I didn't remember thinking in my head going, "Ah, oh, he better not show me going to his car in real time." And then he did. Yeah, I, I thought that whole scene was really funny. And it's like he was in my head and he was just like, "Fuck you, Kevin, We're doing it." Son of a bitch. I had a hard time really pinpointing the time frame with this movie, too. Because from what I understand, a lot of this took place in the 90s. Yeah. Like, it, it started at maybe the late 80s. It was like 87, right? And so I had a hard time really figuring out how much time had gone by with all this. And I was really struggling to figure that out. Because the music... The music really wasn't helping at all. I thought that a lot of that the was music, another aspect. The music yeah. choices were really odd, and <laughs> the uh, the Foo Fighters song. <laughs> oh, you got! Oh, <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? I, I I was so confused and befuddled by that Foo Fighters song in there. Yeah, that was that was awful. Yeah, I, I hated the music. There's a couple of scenes too that I just I hated the like the shooting. The techniques and the the cinematography that he used, like when he crashes the helicopter, the entire sequence with the yacht mm. and the stormy waters, I thought that all looked terrible. This is just there was just a lot of negatives for me. I did for the most part, I did enjoy it. I just I really think you can cut it down. Yeah, I mean, it is a very excessive movie. A lot of just crazy, crazy stuff. I would be interested to see what they had to cut out. To get the R rating. Yeah. I would be interested. One of the... Because I mentioned Spike Jones's little scene I love. One of the other uh, characters that stole the show for me was the sea otter. Mm. Just the way the sea otter would just interrupt conversations. Like the the whole diner sequence. Mm-hmm. I loved everything he said there. And then when he, when he was getting uh, interrogated. Just the way that he would deliver his lines. Had me cracking up. I thought that guy was unbelievable. Yeah. Some, I mean, he knows an Amish guy just wants to make furniture. <laughs> <laughs> and just how they would get so pissed off with him. I I thought that his whole like crew, like his whole beginning crew, I liked all of them. I thought that they were pretty funny. and The ragtag group of misfits. Yeah. Every startup has one. It's uh, it's truly a rags to riches to rags story. Yeah, he's probably still rich. No, he's not. Um, he's not. 
No, he lost. He lost it. He still owes the government a hundred million dollars. Oh shit! He's not rich at all. I was gonna say <laughs> he's see, and that was the that was the other funny thing is the whole the whole them trying to figure out how to hide their money. I mean, in all honesty, when you see these guys, they're fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. They do not think this out at all. Like you have a. a a childhood friend who's a pill dealer delivering money to you in a bag on a golf course. And then, like, after you accumulate, I don't know how many millions, you're like, oh, maybe we should think about hiding this stuff. Well, he had $20 million that he put in that offshore account. And you couldn't even do that right. No. See, and that that's the funny thing to me is it looks like he's unbelievable and he knows what he's doing and he's so great. But when he actually gets to the big leagues, when he's doing shit that like Goldman Sachs and everyone does, he is way out of his depth. He has no clue what he's doing. Yeah. Because this shit has been going on for years, decades, and they've been excelling at it. And he failed miserably. Yeah. I think that that is something to think about, you know, while watching this. It's like, and there were even several times throughout the movie that he kept reiterating that he wasn't one of the big dogs. So it's like, yeah, he's pretty much a small scale operation. He had going on. Yeah. That just kind of shows you how disgusting that whole system is. Uh, McConaughey. McConaughey, the the greatest collection of weird noises. (laughs) It's such a short time. That's gotta be a record, right? Has to be. Yeah. He's in like a ridiculous amount of noises. I thought he was really, underutilized i mean he's in what two two or three scenes in the entire movie barely in it at all i was i was expecting him to be in it more i was surprised yeah i thought he would have a much more substantial role but i think he utilized his time well yeah i now i i don't i can't remember if i actually if this was in my film pulse review or if it was in my letterbox review could you see this is people completely missing the point and this being like the new Scarface? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've even read other articles that are comparing this to Scarface. They're saying like, you know, this could be this generation's Scarface and all that stuff. And I, I could absolutely see where people could <laughs> completely miss the point of this. I know. I'm just waiting it's... to see the, the velvet wall hangings of Jordan Belfort. <laughs> <laughs> doing crib episodes <laughs> it's just a bunch of white dudes like yeah got the wolf of wall street playing non-stop on loop maybe this oh. will uh maybe this will bring quaaludes back uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't think they you... exist anymore but yeah maybe somebody else figure out how to make them i just yeah that was i did <laughs> i i oddly enough i did enjoy like the little this the brief history of quaaludes well yeah because i I knew i knew about quaaludes like i knew what quaaludes were but it was i never knew what happened to them yeah you know like because i remember like older movies and then just pop culture hearing all about ludes and often wondering whatever happened to those things what what the hell happened to ludes they just fall out of favor what yeah that's what i was find out yeah, let me find out that they're not they don't exist anymore. Now I want Scorsese for his next film to give me like a bl- brief history of like goofballs. 
What happened to goofballs? <laughs> goofballs. <laughs> you remember goofballs? Yeah. <laughs> you remember learning about goofballs in school? Yes. Yes, I do. I always thought that that was fake. Like, they're just making shit up to scare us. Yeah. Ludes. Ludes, ludes and goofs. <laughs> ludes and goofs. <laughs> All right. Well... I'm I'm sitting at like I'm still gonna give it like an eight out of ten. I I originally I originally gave it like a seven. But see that's what that's why I went with a six and a half because I gave it a six. I saw that you gave it a seven, so I was like, I'll give it a six and a half. Yeah, I gave it like a seven initially, but after sitting it with, with um with it for like a few days, bumped it up. Yeah, I ended up bumping it up because I realized I that I just really enjoyed it i thought it was really funny and i think i bumped up to like a seven i think i'm sitting at a seven now because there is a part of me it's you know i always have this problem where i gotta rethink everything that i've ever thought or done in my life by the smallest things in the world and this film is no exception because i'm just you know i was thinking about it's three hours of excess and i just i can't stand it and it's just repetitive but that's how it's supposed to be i know then i thought about it and i'm like well, he's just holding up a mirror to it, which is, you know, the thing that I was using to, you know, uh, st- stick up for my 10 out of 10 for Sprint Breakers. You know, it's not Scorsese's fault what the reflection is. He's just holding up the mirror. So now I got me rethinking all that shit. And I'm just going to be rethinking things until the end of time. <laughs> until eventually it just keeps working its way up. <laughs> just every movie's going to end up being a 10 out of 10. Well, I think that uh, I think that a movie like this, it would be one thing if it wasn't directed by Scorsese, but just the fact that it was directed by Scorsese, and he has he always has such a specific vision for his yeah. movies. You know, there's like a reason for everything. So I think that it. But then, but then that makes me bring it down. See, I see. I think I think way too much about this shit. I mean, I'm still, I'm still overthinking things that I said within like the second podcast we ever did. Oh yeah, well, I still do that turning too. that, still turning that shit over in my head. I do that too. I I regret everything I say eventually. I, I regret everything <laughs> I say. Always. Right, right after you say, <laughs> <laughs> not even the stuff that we do on this podcast, just anything ever that I've ever said, instantly regret it. I well, don't I think, know why I talk. I think maybe this is this is a movie that could be worth a rewatch oh yeah definitely and I, it's definitely better than what he's been doing like his you know his last couple of films mm. like i like this a lot more than shutter island oh yeah oh yeah a lot more, I, I liked it a lot more than shutter island i liked it a lot more than the aviator uh i don't know about hugo i mean i guess yeah i guess i liked it more than hugo yeah i don't know it's it's hard to compare yeah, yeah i don't two. know if you can really compare those two movies but and the weird thing is we didn't get to talk about it. Is this DiCaprio's best performance? Oh, that's a good question. I, I I loved him in this. I thought that, yeah. I I think it is. I thought he was unbelievable. I, I, yeah, way. yeah. I, I'll I'll say yeah. I think it was his best performance. I think he definitely deserves an Oscar. I thought that he was absolutely incredible in this. Like just his range in this mm-hmm. movie because he does everything. You you don't really see him being a goofball. And mm-hmm. or physical, yeah. And, He's and usually he, not that physical. And he really just let loose in this movie, and he was just a complete goof the whole time. Like the scene, 
I thought that the scene was really funny when she kept throwing the water in his face. Yes. <laughs> just, that, that was a good scene. It was just like little little scenes like that that I thought were really effective and just no, how, you know. Another thing is, is, were you surprised when he punched her? Uh, yeah. That got you off guard? <laughs> I, I was pretty surprised by that. And he, he punched her more than once, didn't he? Didn't he hit her in the I face think... and then hit her in the stomach? Or did he just... Yo, hit... Yeah, he gave her... Strong punch to the gut. Yeah, because she slapped him in the face, and I, I think, think he maybe... slapped he slapped her in the face, and I was like, okay, he slapped her. Yeah, right. and then this then guy, I, I knew this guy was a dick, and then he and then he follows it up with the gut punch. I was like, holy shit, this guy's a huge dick. <laughs> Damn. Oh god, do you think this is a comedy? Would you consider this a comedy? Uh, dark comedy, yeah. Dark comedy. Yes. I, I just I, I don't know that's what it it's sort of rubbing me the wrong way here is is I think he played it played it up too much for laughs I think I think he just crossed the threshold a little bit too far now what did you what did you think was funnier this or American Hustle oh I don't know that's a good question that's a good question I think I think maybe this might have an edge on it just because of the length alone they had an extra like half an hour to <laughs> to, to bring to some, some more jokes <laughs> to work some jokes in there well i will say this about wolf of wall street i felt like more jokes didn't land in the wolf of wall street than in american hustle like there were there were certain things that were intended to be funny in the wolf of wall street that i didn't find to be funny yeah so there's there's that but i yeah. still thought it was it was very very funny but like a, there was also a lot of jokes that that made you laugh, but also made you feel kind of dirty too. Like uh-uh. maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this. Uh-oh. What do you, what do you got? I don't what know. Do just th- like, just some of the ridiculous things. Like some, some of the things were kind of like shockingly funny. Like the opening scene when he's blowing Coke into the, girls, oh, yeah. you know, like that, that made me laugh, but it seems like a waste of Coke. I don't know. I'm sure it's a really fast way to, get the effects going i guess so i guess so i would imagine but also like the dwarf tossing like i didn't i didn't laugh at any of that stuff oh that see we did being wolf of wall street got off on the bed on the wrong foot because that whole opening sequence i thought was god awful with the dwarf tossing and they that, freeze frame it and he's like that's not me i know yeah, i didn't like that's that me that, i'm that guy and then it ends with the I'm not talking about this stuff. And then he unrolls the $100 bill that he just snorted a line of Coke with. He's like, this is my drug. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Mm. Come that, on. that part didn't bother me. The freeze frame dwarf tossing. I wasn't th- into that, really. No. I don't know. Eh. Either way, I say check it out. Just be aware. What did the length? So I guess, was the length an issue for you? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Wasn't God too much is. of an issue for me, so just be aware other, it is a three-hour-long movie. The other thing is, is um, which well, I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but the amount of people I see complaining about the sex in this movie—I don't know how many times I read—you know—people were just appalled by the sex in it. I'm just like, really? You do get to see Jonah Hill donning a fake wiener, masturbating a fake wiener. I'm assuming it's a fake wiener. Nah, that shit's real, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah he does masturbate in front of everyone that does happen i wasn't bothered by the sex 
people I didn't people even really people, notice it. Yeah, like people are actually bothered by it. Apparently, apparently. I mean, it's 2013, and we're still still hung up on that. Still that's, hung up. That's, that's <laughs> still, still hung up on. <laughs> that's still a thing. <laughs> still a thing. Still hung up on penises and vaginas. Oh God. Well, all those people should see blue is the warmest color. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> or cruising. Or cruising. <laughs> <The> foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so I would definitely recommend going to see it either way. So check it out. Wolf of Wall Street. Let's talk about predictions. Last week we said Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, you said fifty-four. I said forty-nine. Actual forty-seven. Ooh. Didn't didn't get to see that. Probably yeah. not going to now. <laughs> Missed yeah, its window. So. Uh, Lone Survivor. You said seventy six. I said seventy eight. Actual sixty four. Mm-hmm. People aren't uh, loving that as much as I think everybody expected. Forty seven. Ronan. You said forty seven. I said forty two. Actual twelve. <laughs> Ouch. And Wolf of Wall Street. You said 95, I said 96, actual 76. Uh-huh. So, and I think that really everything that we were talking about is pretty much what everybody's saying. Like some people were okay with just how excessive it was. Other people weren't. Yeah. Uh, next week we have Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. Oh, perfect time for a horror film. Yeah. Well, it's this is the dumping ground, I believe. Yeah. We're officially in the dumping ground now. That's the only wide release next week. But, I mean, honestly, did they not see that as dumping ground material before they even greenlit it? I would imagine. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's two Paranormal Activity movies coming out this year. How did they choose which? Oh, is this the... This is this the isn't, spinoff. Oh, uh, this is the Latino one. Yeah. Racist. Mm. What are you thinking on this bad boy? Oh, like a 30? I think it's going to be very bad. I'm going to say... Well, I'll say 32. that's it Uh, we're done (laughs) there are a couple limited release movies coming out interior leather bar beyond outrage which is on demand so you can check it out there nice nice yeah i think we'll probably be covering that one on the site and open grave which is also on demand next week on dvd and blu-ray we have cbgb which is don't bother with that one it's terrible it's a travesty a lot of don't bothers I'm looking at right here. Don John, which I do recommend. That was actually quite good. I think I'm actually going to watch that tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think you'll like it. I don't know. That one's a tough call for you. Hell Baby, which was horrible. <laughs> Surprisingly horrible. There, there's a lot of a lot of funny people in that. And it was, I, think, I think it was a Tom Lennon, Ben Garrett movie. But mm-hmm. not good. Not funny. In a in appropriate comedy, which looks really bad. It looks like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I think Ryan saw this. I think Ryan I'm actually sh- like. I'm yeah. sure he did. And, and it's uh, I think it's written and directed by the Sham Wow guy. Correct, Slapchop. Yeah, Slapchop. That's that's his name. <laughs> so, so that is his full name, Slapchop Sham Wow. Slap chops. And then also Casadaga. Casadaga. Okay. The horror movie. I'm not sure. I feel like we did 
did some sort of news item about that on the site, like a poster release or something mm. at one point. But I'm that's... also saying that Sisters coming out. Do you remember that movie? No. It has. Uh, we talked about it last year. It was nominated for a. We got a screener for it for Independent Spirit Awards. Oh yeah, yeah. The the Swedish was a Swedish film with Gillian I, Anderson. I think it was was Swiss. I think it might have been Swiss. Is it? Oh, I can't. I remember Gillian Anderson being. Is that her name? Yeah, Gillian Anderson. Yeah, she was in it. Ursula Meyer. I forget word. Yeah, no, it takes I, place at a luxury Swiss yeah, ski, the resort. ski resort, and it's like a brother and sister, and they steal ski equipment. Yes. Yeah, this sister is played by Leah Sudo, who is mm-hmm. I forget who she plays in. Blue is the warmest color. Leah. Leah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Easy sure. enough. Pretty sure. Uh, anything else? Nope, that's it. Alright. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches and Movie. What do you think of the old uh, self self? I can't say that word. Selfish. That's the that's the number one word that I have a problem with with my speech impediment. Mm, nice. It always pops up. I never uh, get over that. I'll never conquer it. <laughs>